welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 245 a giant New York turkey. And I am your host and the guy who has a black and blue foot. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But today we are 254 days, 11 hours, 19 minutes, and zero seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. This past weekend, my buddy Todd and I went to my property south of Birmingham to do a little fishing and do a little farming. And since the weather in Alabama is July hot, we of course decided to fish early and do some farming afterwards. Now before we could do the farming, we actually had to work on the tractor. Well, not really the tractor, but we had to work on the disc attached to the tractor because the bolts in the brackets that hold the axle on the frame of the disc had sheared off on both sides of the axle. So we had to replace those. And Todd and I were kind of struggling a little bit with the axle to get the brackets lined back up on the frame of the disc so that we could put the new bolts into the brackets and get it fastened back onto the frame like it needed to be. Well, in our struggles to get everything lined up properly, the bracket that runs from the axle itself all the way up to the frame of the disc slipped out of Todd's hand, and I already told you my foot's black and blue. I did not have on shoes. I had on sandals because we had just finished fishing, and the bracket landed quite nicely on my right foot. Other than the initial pain of what's probably a 30-pound piece of steel with Luckily, not a sharp edge on it falling on your foot. I'm fine. A few scrapes. At the time, after walking it off for about five minutes, I didn't feel like anything in my foot was broken. Still don't feel like anything in my foot is broken, but it is still swollen up. Oh, three, four days after it happened. So it will heal. I will live and all is well. And I just hinted around at it. I got the outboard motor running on my boat. So after thinking about the problems that I was running across with the motor, I got to really thinking that I needed to adjust the idle on the boat. And so I adjusted the idle and adjusted the fuel flow going into the carburetor. And I am happy to say that I am back 
in business on the lake catching fish with an outboard motor that's running for the first time in two years. So that's good news as well. And although after dropping the bracket from the axle of the disc onto my foot, my disc repairing time ended at that point in time, I might have been a little bit ticked off. And I jumped on the tractor and disced the field with only one axle on the front of the disc and the two axles on the back of the disc. was able to get the field disced up well enough before the storm with 30 to 35 mile an hour winds came through. I was able to get the field disced up well enough and get some chufa out in the field and get it covered. So hopefully the turkeys and the coons and the crows and the deer are not eating me out of house and home in my chufa patch again. We're expecting a fair amount of rain between now and the weekend. And so my thought is those chufas are going to get watered in pretty well. And I should have chufa here in about a week to 10 days. So I've got my fingers crossed. Hopefully it works out. Today I have another hunt to play for you guys. Today's hunt is of my second kill in New York from my trip to New England in late May of this year. I'm going to try to quickly lay out the land that we're hunting and the scenario up to the point of our first clip and we're going to jump into this hunt right now. You know, in reliving the hunt in my head after it happened and still actually up to a day or two ago, I thought that this hunt played out a lot longer than it really did. Now, some of the reason that I think that is because the hunt was longer than what I actually recorded, which I'll explain a little bit more here in just a second. So here we go. So this hunt happened on Tuesday. And Tuesday morning, we'd ridden around and checked several different farms for turkeys. And although we'd seen a few turkeys, they were really not in areas where we could get to them easily at all, or even get to them successfully at all. For example, we saw one group of turkeys with, I think it had two strutters in it, and they were in the middle of what's probably a 200 acre ag field. And when I tell you they're in the middle of it, they are in the middle of it. And there's no way to use the terrain or anything to get to them. And when I asked the guide about possibly fanning those turkeys, he said to me that they had tried it before and that it didn't work with those turkeys, that they could never get in range, that the hens would push away and the toms would follow the hens and would not care about coming after the quote-unquote turkey that was in their territory. So while driving around, we went to go check on a piece of property that our guide owns. And he had actually spotted some turkeys in a field on that piece of property the day before. But because I ended up killing when I killed, and Chip had already killed right off the roost, there was no need to worry with those turkeys the day before, but they were on the radar screen for Tuesday morning. And when we drove by the field, there was a strutter with a few jakes and a few hens in one of the fields on that piece of property. Now we're on the county road glassing this field that's about 250 yards off of the road. So the road sits up a little bit, there's a little drop in elevation coming off of the road, and then the land starts to rise back up to 
probably a 200-foot elevation change from the lowest point right off of the road. And this field lays on the side of this hill. And so we could glass from the road into the field, and we saw the turkeys there. Well, our guide had hunted this property for years, knew it very well, and said, I know how we can get in there to kill these turkeys. Let's go. So we drove down the county highway probably a half mile, and we went through the gate into the property, and now is probably the time when I need to lay the property out for you. I'm not exactly sure how big this piece of property is, and it doesn't really matter because it's bigger than the fields that we were on. And since we only hunted the fields, that's really all that matters. Now, what I do need to tell you is that this piece of property is probably wider east to west than it is longer north to south. So where we're coming into the property is actually in the northeast corner of the property. And as soon as you come through the gate, there is a pretty big hayfield right there. It's about a 40-acre hayfield, pretty good size. The hayfield's not perfectly rectangular, which Again, doesn't matter, but the road that goes into the hayfield off of the paved county road runs along the north end of the field. Remember, we're coming in on the northeast corner of the property, so we're not really driving across the field. We're driving along the woods line on the north side of the field. And now that 40-acre hayfield, again, just like the property itself, is wider east to west than it is long north to south. So we parked probably halfway down the woods line in that 40-acre hayfield. To the west of the 40-acre hayfield is a small block of woods that is between the big hayfield and a smaller hayfield. Now the smaller hayfield's probably six acres in size, and this block of woods is about 125 yards wide. So again, running east to west, we come in the gate on the northeast corner of the property. We drive west along the north woods line of the big hayfield, park there, get our gear. We walk to the west towards the six-acre hayfield, which is the field that the turkeys are in. And we come to that little block of woods that's the divider between those two hayfields, the big one and the small one. And we get there and the guide says, we're going to walk down to the end of this little block of woods here. And I want you and Chip to get into that block of woods, but where you can see the field. I'm going to put decoys out where this road that we're walking on that runs between the 40-acre field and the 6-acre field runs into the 6-acre field, I'm going to put decoys right there at the entrance of the road into the hayfield. After I do that, I'm going to step back down the road towards the big 40-acre hayfield, get into the woods, and call. Now, this 6-acre hayfield that these turkeys are in is almost rectangular, but in the middle of the hayfield, Running north to south, there's a little neck of woods that juts about 100 yards into the hayfield from the south to the north. But that neck of woods doesn't divide the field completely. That neck of woods, like I said, is about 100 yards in length. The hayfield is probably 150 yards north to south. So there's about a little 50-yard stretch of hayfield between the north end of that neck of woods and the tree line on the north end of the field. And the guide says, 
He has called the turkeys from the southwest corner of the field, which is on the other side of that little neck of woods that juts out into the field 100 yards from where we are. But he has called turkeys from that southwest corner of that hayfield all the way to the northeast corner of the hayfield, which is the section of the field that we've walked into. So that's what we do. So you've got kind of an idea of the layout of this field. It's not a very big field. Chip and I are in the woods just off the northeast corner of that field. The turkeys are down in the southwest corner of that field. And our guide puts the decoys out just into the edge of the field because that little neck of woods really is kind of shielding him and his movement to be able to get out and put those decoys up without being seen. Once the decoys are out, he drops back, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 yards behind me and Chip, and he starts calling. Well, we hear some gobbling in the southwest corner of the field. And of course, we assume it's the turkeys that were there. So this is a good sign. We're feeling positive about it. But it sounds like Jake gobbles to us. After about three or four minutes of calling, the Jake gobbles get closer. And then we hear what's obviously not a Jake gobble in the southwest corner of the field. So I was thinking at that point in time, this is great. Here comes the Jakes. And the Tom is still back in the southwest corner of the field with all the hens strutting and showing off for them. But we're going to have Jakes to contend with and hopefully not get busted by. But the Jakes, even though they started our direction, they never came all the way in. The Jakes are gobbling. The Tom is gobbling. And the Jakes turn and they go back towards the Tom. And they don't continue in our direction anymore. Now, we stayed where we were, and our guide continued to call for about 10 or 15 minutes, but it was beginning to get very obvious that the turkeys were not going to come our direction. They were happy on the hill in that southwest corner of the field, so we knew we had to reposition. So Chip and I got up and walked back to where our guide was, and it was at that point in time we said, look, turkeys are up there. The tom is not coming any closer. Is there any way that we can stay in the woods, go up the hill, which really would be headed south from where we were, get around to that southwest corner of the field, stay just inside the woods line from the field, and call and see if maybe we can just call that tom up to the very southwest edge of that field so that we can get a shot? And he said, I know exactly what to do. Come on, follow me. So that's exactly what we did. We walked south from where we were, keeping, I'd say, 50, 60 yards off of the edge of the field. We went around the southeast corner of the field. We walked past that little neck of woods that jutted out into the field 100 yards. We got pretty close to the southwest corner of that field. And the guide says, okay, you and Chip find a spot to sit here somewhere in this general area, and I'm going to drop back about 50 or 60 yards and float call, and we'll just see if maybe we can get him up into the woods. Well, at that point in time, I actually thought we were a little closer to the edge of the field than we were. So the guide leaves me and Chip and starts to walk south of us so that Chip and I are between the field and him calling, and Chip and I found two trees to sit against. They were probably, I'd say six, maybe eight yards apart, a little bit further apart than I wanted to be, to be able to communicate with him. And remember, Chip doesn't hear very well. 
I really don't hear well, but Chip really can't hear well, like to the point where he really needs hearing aids full time, and I'm not quite at that point yet. Nonetheless, Chip sits down against a tree, I find my tree to sit against, and I really kind of sat to where I would be able to cover some ground that Chip would not be able to cover. That's what we should do. But I sat down there and faced that direction with the intention in my head of Chip is shooting first again. Remember, at this point, Chip has killed one turkey this season, and I've killed four or five turkeys. We've both already gotten our New York turkey, but I still want Chip to go ahead and shoot first that day on that hunt. So after I sit down, the guide drifts back. He's probably... 50 yards behind us, and he starts calling. And he gets a response from the Tom, which is great news because that tells me most likely we have not spooked that Tom as we circled the field and repositioned. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I have a thought. My thought is, hey, you might want to turn the recorder on. So I did. And I'm going to play the first clip for you that is about a minute and 14 seconds into the recorded portion of our hunt. We got a turkey goblin down in this field. We're up in the woods up above him. Our God has moved. Has moved back behind us and is calling. He's probably 40 or 50 yards behind us. Calling. We're trying to see if we can get this copper out of the field and into the woods. It's just got to come 10 yards or so into the woods. And neither Chip or I should be able to get a shot at him. After we sat down and I had a couple of minutes to kind of take in everything around me, that's when I figured out that we were not as close to the field as I had hoped that we would get. But we were sitting there, the guide was behind us calling, the turkey had answered, and at that point I didn't see a need to get up and reposition to get any closer to the edge of the field. My thought process was, okay, let's sit here and see what happens. We can always reposition if we need to in a few minutes. But right now, let's just see how things play out. So I'm going to fast forward now about 3 minutes and 34 seconds into the hunt from our past clip. Oh, there's a hand. 
interested. Yep. So here we are about, I don't know, maybe eight, ten minutes sitting in what is our second setup spot. And two hens come into the woods from the direction of the field, get probably 40 yards away from me and chip, stop. And of course, you know, they always look like they're looking directly at you. And of course, we don't really have any idea what direction they're looking in because their eyes are on the side of their head and it's just a straight up guess. But it's obvious that at least one of these two hens sees something, does not like it, comes to complete attention, turns around and runs back towards the field where the tom is. And at that point in time, I'm thinking this is a bad thing because they're probably going to continue to run and they may not stop until they get to the Canadian border. And they may have. I don't know. But what I do know that didn't happen is I know that the tom did not leave the field. So I'm going to fast forward about a minute and 45 seconds from the end of our last clip. Now I want to fast forward about 2 minutes and 37 seconds from the end of our last clip. So I played those last two very short clips of audio for you because that's pretty much what happened from the time that we got busted by the hen about, I don't know, six minutes or so, seven minutes or so into the audio of this hunt up until I start the next clip for you here in just a few seconds. But there was a lot of hen calling and a lot of Jake calling coming from the south of me from the guide. Now, he was doing more calling than I would do, but I've learned a lot of things on these out-of-state trips. One of the things that I've learned is how turkeys in other states outside of Alabama and outside of Mississippi, states that don't have extremely long 
turkey hunting seasons with unusually high bag limits, whose turkeys are not as pressured, those turkeys are much more callable than turkeys in the States that do get a lot of pressure. So for you guys in the Midwest, the Northeast, and even the western parts of the country who are trying to get your super slam, when you come to the southeast, I highly recommend cutting back on the amount of calling that you do. I'm not going to say that every turkey in Alabama would run from the amount of calling that our guide was doing, but I'm just going to throw my guesstimate of 97% of them would run the other direction from all the calling that our guide was doing. So keep that in mind as you're traveling around and hunting different parts of the country. It's always best to start with a little bit of calling. Then you can work your way up. If you kind of get the impression that, hey, these turkeys are pretty callable, you can call a little bit more. This is our second day to hunt in New York. I played my first kill for you guys, I don't know, three weeks ago or so, and our guide did a lot of calling on that hunt as well. Even if I was doing the calling on our second day of hunting with him, I still would not call as much as he is calling because it's just not my hunting style. But it works. It worked the day before, and it worked countless numbers of days before for this guide. So call away, guide. Now I'm going to take us about, now I'm going to take you about five minutes and 45 seconds past our last audio clip because I don't want to make you guys suffer through listening to all, all of that Hen and Jake calling. when you see him. So I can't remember exactly what it was that Chip asked me after that turkey gobbled so close to us, but I'm going to guess, judging by my answer, that he asked if I could see him. And at that very second, I could not see him, but I see him now. That's all that I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of this week's hunt, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. And in order to become a subscriber, what you need to do is text the word Turkey Hunter. Make that one word and text it to the number 44222. After you do that, you're going to receive some instructions from me that you'll need to follow, and eventually I'm going to send you a link via email that you can click on that will allow you to create your username and password on the Podbean application and pay your $18 per year subscription fee for the premium content. Your $18 subscription will get you not only 
the rest of this week's episode, but it will get you all of the premium content for all of our past episodes, as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. 18 bucks a year is a bargain price to pay, and and listen, I know that it's not all that usual to pay for a podcast, but you're paying for a ton of content, and you're paying for commercial-free episodes. Much the same way you pay Netflix for a subscription to their content for commercial-free episodes of their shows, and others, of course. So go on, subscribe, you will not regret it, and it's 18 bucks well spent. And so that is turkey number two in New York for me. And we've got a guide who is now kind of kicking himself in the rear end because he's looked at a double-bearded eastern turkey that's come off a property that he owns that he called in for a client that he kind of feels like he may never have an opportunity to get another one of. But I kind of feel like if he keeps hunting, he'll end up killing a multi-bearded bird in that area. And I hope it has inch and a half spurs for him. But he was full of God's remorse for much of the morning. Now, that's not to say he wasn't excited for me. And he wasn't happy that we got turkey number three because he was. And he was still very interested and working very hard to get us turkey number four in New York before we left New York that afternoon. And he did that with about, I think it was 14 minutes to spare in legal hunting hours in New York. He ended up helping Chip get Chip's second New York turkey. And from there, we went back to our house that we had rented on the lake, packed up our gear, ate lunch, took a quick nap, loaded the truck, and headed to Maine for what we knew was going to be a day of hunting. We just didn't know it was going to be that good of a day of hunting. So the next hunt that I have for you guys will be the hunt from our trip to Maine that was just me and Chip because John left the afternoon of our second day of hunting to travel to Colorado for a business meeting. So that left me and Chip Wednesday morning hunting in Maine. And we'll pick up there. I'm not sure that we're going to do that episode next week. We may, but I might have something different for you. So you'll just have to tune in and see. Okay, so my big takeaways from my hunts in New York are that I really need to be incorporating more Jake Yelps into my hunting setups and my calling scenarios. Ray I preaches on it all the time. In fact, Ray would probably tell you that he calls in more Toms with Jake Yelps than he does with Hen Yelps. And I'm certainly not going to question Ray I when he says that he has success doing something. I did incorporate some Jake Yelping into some of my calling scenarios this past season. However, I did it very sparingly. And I may not have been patient enough while Jake Yelping. What I mean by that is I typically used Jake Yelps as kind of a last resort before I would back out of an area or before I would abandon a setup. So going forward next year, I'm going to incorporate a little bit more Jake Yelping into my calling scenarios and hopefully bring in maybe another bird that I would not have otherwise brought into my calling. So that's all I've got for you guys today, but I would like to ask you for a favor. I know that's a big shocker. If you listen to this show every week, 
You know I typically ask for a favor every week, and I'm sure that the majority of you guys listening to the show do not do the favor that I ask of you every single week, and I'm cool with that. Hey, we've all got lives outside of listening to a turkey podcast, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you for one this week. So, if you would, use the share feature in your podcast player application, whether that's Podbean for the premium content or even the free content, or you use iTunes for the free content only, whatever it happens to be. But if you would, go to the share feature and share this week's episode of the show on your social media pages. You can do that with the share feature in your podcast player application by sharing it to Facebook and or Twitter and or Instagram, whichever of those platforms you guys are on most often. If you would share this episode on it, I'd be very appreciative. And with that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.